0: Final week of our series called "The Good and Beautiful Life," and we have been talking about Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And uh, there was a really good chance Jesus uh, had many other sermons first before that one, and it was almost as though somebody said, "We should be writing this down. (laughs) This is really good." And so, um, this Sermon on the Mount is the uh, his most famous uh, teaching. Um, And when you read it, you can read it all the way in one sitting. What, it's incredible, and what, what he does is he starts off with this this uh, phrase, "Repent for the kingdom of God is in your midst." Now when we think of repent, we often think of uh, feeling bad, uh, remorse, um, turning you know around, and all that and, and that is a part of repentance. But this Greek word that 's used there, the New Testament was written in Greek, and this Greek word means to change your mind, to change the way you think. And so what we've been saying is this, we've been saying change the way you've been thinking a life with intimacy and interaction with God is in your midst. So change the way you think about stuff And, and basically what we've been doing week after week is going through these different topics and seeing how would we see that through the eyes, through the lens of the kingdom. And So how do I see my finances through the lens of the kingdom? How do I see my speech? How do I see these different things? And so we've been talking about that, that you can actually live without anger, right? Just turn off the news. No, um, no it's like you can actually live without anger, Jesus says, you, you can actually live without lust or fantasy. We we talked about that, um, that God doesn't meet us in our fantasy. He meets us in reality. And so you can actually live without that. You can actually live without lying, without having to feel like you have to manipulate things because you want it to turn out a certain way. You, you can live without that. And so Jesus has been going through, and the, the pattern that he's been saying is this. You've heard it this way, but I say this way. And it's changing are mine. We think, uh, he said, you, you've heard it said, do not murder, okay? And we're all like, you know, thanks for, you know, reiterating that, Jesus. Um, but he said, but I'm saying, don't even get angry. Don't, he said, D- do not commit adultery. I'm saying, don't, you don't even have to follow fantasies. You don't have to do that. And so that's what we've been talking about. And, and basically, week after week, we've had this one goal, and that's allowing God to be God in everything, in every area of our life. Jesus has the audacity to tell us, you don't have to worry. You know, I mean, and it's like, well, that's nice to say, but if you knew my circumstances and the kingdom of God, as Jesus describes it, is all, it's regardless of our circumstances. We can, we can have this new mindset, this new, this new change. Well, so how, how, if you're Jesus and you, you have all these things and you're changing people's minds and all this kind of stuff, how would you wrap up your sermon? Um, you know, how, how would you kind of recap everything that you've been saying? And you've been saying some pretty heavy stuff. You, you, you've talked about money, okay? So even Jesus talked about money in his first sermon or the first sermon we wrote down. And, and he's telling you can't serve God and money. You, you can't serve God in wealth. And what, what we've been seeing is, uh, through, throughout all this is, is that Jesus has been just changing our mind on topic after topic after topic after topic. How would you wrap it up? What's the one thing you'd say at the very end of the sermon to kind of uh, encapsulate it all? Well, before we do that, before we look at what Jesus said, we're going to look at a section of scripture that that um, says the same thing Jesus says at the end of his sermon, but in a little different way. And it was written by Jesus' brother. Jesus had a half-brother because Jesus' dad was like God. So, you know, it's like Jesus' brother, same mom, you know, same mom, okay, different dad, all right? So you guys know what I'm talking about. So, uh, so, so Jesus has his brother, his name's James. Now, now this, is the, this is the crazy thing about James. James, Jesus' brother, believed Jesus was God. See, see, for me, that's all the proof I need when it comes to Jesus, <laughs> Right? Like you wonder, like, why do you believe in Jesus? Because his brother did. Do you know what it would take? Think about, I want you to think about your siblings. Okay? <laughs> your brother, your sister. Think about that. Just think about that. Think about what they'd have to do to convince you that they're God. Now, they might have been telling you that your whole life, you know, and they might have been acting like that. But just think about your brother. He's I love my brother. My brother's super smart. He when he he came out first and uh, he stole robbed the gene pool of everything uh, good and I left me with the scraps. Like he's real smart and he makes more money than all of us and he's attractive and all this kind of stuff. And but my my the, my mom loves me more. But uh, he, he's got. All, all, that, all, all that kind of stuff. And he's great. He's like super smart. He's got his PhD from MIT, all this kind of stuff. But he's not God. <laughs> like, like imagine, James came to the conclusion after seeing Jesus in his tidy whities growing up, okay, <laughs> that he was God. That's incredible to me. And so what James does is James writes a book in the Bible that we've named James (laughs) because we're super creative in the church. Um, And and it's basically like a New Testament, like Proverbs for the New New Testament version of the Proverbs. It is so practical. It talks about, um, uh, about how you use your, um, you know, how you use your speech and your time and all this kind of stuff. James is just so practical. If you want to read a book of the Bible and you're just like, I'm I'm just, I just want to do something, read James. James starts out um, with a, and if you've been a Christian for a long time, when you see which section of James, we're going to be reading. You're going to be like, oh, no. And if you're not a Christian and someone drug you here and you, and you just kind of like watch, like to watch Christians squirm, this, you watch, just look at this. It's going to be awesome. Um, so here's what he says. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Now, You guys came to church and like Bob said, it's better because you're here. Thank you so much for being here uh, on a Sunday. There's lots of different things you could be doing, but you chose to come here. And one of the things you chose to do to hear is to listen to the word, to listen to somebody talk about the Bible. But here's, here's what James does. James ties listening with deception. Now, That's kind of weird. We don't really think in those terms. But James is saying, listen, when you go to listen to somebody preach or you open up the word or you, uh, maybe you drive to work and you're listening to somebody on the radio, you need to be careful because there's a tendency in all of us that we think because we sat and listened, our relationship with God got better. Sometimes actually, we believe that when we, when we listen to somebody preach and we feel bad, that's an indication that we're get, growing closer to God. <laughs> like like you, you hear someone preaching, you're like, oh man, that dude got me. Just, oh God, man, I feel so close to God, you know, because we, we feel bad. And James is saying, be really, really careful that when you listen and we've all met those people who keep gaining knowledge, 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 knowledge. And, and But you look at their life and you go like, there's like a gap between what you know and what you do. James says when you go and you start reading the Bible and learning and learning and learning, you have to pay very close attention or you will think you're growing spiritually when you're really not. He says... Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Now, this isn't just a Christian thing, right? Well, we all we all have this. I mean, you can see people who know a lot of stuff, but when you look at their life, it doesn't really pan out. You know, you know. I, I, one time we had this guy come to our house, and uh, he was a financial advisor, right? And so um, he, I had known him, and so he wanted to like take over my portfolio, which is like, dude, it's $300. Okay. So <laughs> if you want to take over my portfolio, go ahead. But anyway, so, so we're like, you know, we'll put $50 in Apple, we'll put another 50 in, you know, IBM, wh- whatever the thing is. But, but as he's talking, I start realizing this guy's a financial wreck. Like, he's like, oh, you don't have any, uh, you know, like we'd be talking. He'd say, like, now, do you have any debt? You know, oh, I have the debt in my house. Do you have any credit card debt? No. He's like, oh, man, I wish I I wish I didn't have any credit card debt. And I'm like, dude, wh- wh- you're a financial advisor, right? And so, so there's this gap. And it was, like, frustrating me. The more he spoke, the more I got frustrated. Like, you should know better. It's like going to a marriage and family counselor who's been married three times. <laughs> you know, and she's like, wow, well, my third husband. I got. And you're like, wow how come I'm better than you at this? Like, this is terrible. Or, or, you know, you go to work out, you go to the gym, and your trainer shows up, he's like 400 pounds, he's got a donut in one hand, and he's like, <laughs> man, let me just tell you. And he's like, all this knowledge. We don't like that. As people, we don't like it, and we can sniff out people who have a lot of knowledge, okay, but they're not actually accomplishing anything. Now, here's the, the thing. Why is it so easy for me to see in your life that gap and for you to see in my life that gap but we don't see it in our own lives because of what James is saying we've deceived ourselves into thinking that knowledge is change so James as he kind of gets ready for the verbal beating we're about to get from James okay he says do not merely listen and so deceive yourselves and then he just says this do what it says do what it says. Now, the temptation for me was just to go, do what it says, and then leave. But I get paid to go longer, so uh, so I had to kind of fill in the fill in it fill it in with stuff. No, the, the thing is, is that James, imagine Jesus, he's changed our way of thinking in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you don't have to lust anymore. You don't have to go through that. You don't have to worry anymore. Now, go do it. And so we've talked about anger, lust, lying. We've talked about uh, judging others. We've talked about worry. We've talked about finances and how we uh, can't serve God and wealth. And James says, now that you've heard all this, do what it says. Fill in that gap between what you know and what you do. So, for, for, for the high schoolers that are in, the, the, in with us today, what that's gonna look like at school, like he, what you know about the scriptures, what you know about Jesus, and how you use your phone, uh, how you use your speech. How you use your power on campus, whether you have lots of friends or whatever. That gap, Jesus wants us, uh, and James and Jesus want that gap to close. So that what we know is what we do. Just to know, we risk deceiving ourselves. And we've all met people like that. He said, so he goes on, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And then, then he gives this great word picture. Um, uh, 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 to, to kind of illustrate what he's talking about. He says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. Now, um, uh, you guys are all very attractive, um, and and so I, I would imagine that this morning, you spent some time looking in the mirror. I can see some of you have product in your hair, and that probably didn't just happen, okay? You probably did, did something. I woke up this morning. I wake up early on Sunday mornings. I woke up this morning. I'm not kidding you. I looked in the mirror, and this was the thought. Ugh. Like, I... <laughs> I looked horrible this morning, and like there's bags under my eyes, and uh, what little hair I have just looked matted, and you know that. I was just like, I was just like, I looked at myself in the mirror, and I I was just like, man, you are an. Ugly dude, and so no, don't feel sorry for me. Uh, uh, so, so so anyway, so so I like like there I am. This is this is what James is saying. He's saying, Look, we all we all look in the mirror now. now some some of you ladies, you'll look long like you, I don't put on makeup, I mean, not much to speak of, but uh, you you look and and you see and and you kind of go through this whole process of your hair and all this kind of stuff, and sometimes we can spend A lot of time in front of the mirror, just looking and fixing and doing all this kind of stuff and spiking. If you have hair, I don't have hair. But if I had hair, I'd spike it somewhere and all this kind of stuff. And this is what James is saying. He's saying, look, anyone who listens and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. He goes on. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So imagine you wake up. We'll pick on the ladies right now. You wake up, your face is all greasy, your hair is all jacked up, uh, you know, it's like all different ways, and you look in the mirror, and you're like, "Wow, I look horrible, and then you just like put on your clothes and go to work, okay, and that's it, and you, sh- you show up at work, and you're, you're just like, you know, you're like, it's sticking out here, and, and, and there you are, and you're at work, and like one of your girlfriends at work is like, hey, can I talk to you for a second, and you're like, yeah, what, what's going on? Are you all right? <laughs> Is everything okay? Like, yeah, everything's fine. Okay. All right. Next day, you get out of bed. It's even worse. Go to work. And finally, hey, you know what? He, you look terrible. And you say, I know. I saw myself in the mirror. I know. Okay. Nobody would let you off the hook for that. Like they'd say, well, if you know, what would they say? Why don't you... Wow. How <laughs> the grip, why don't you do that? You know, it's like. Now listen, why would we do that with our souls? Like we know not to do that with our faces and our hair. And we can spend a lot of time getting it all fixed up. In my house, we have a curling iron and a straightener. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, so, like, why would you spend all that time, some of you are like, whoa, it just hit you, yeah, one straightens, the other one curls, okay, like, why would we do that with our souls? This is what James is saying, he's saying, listen, a life with Jesus is so important and, and, and to, to see him as rabbi, to see him as a teacher, to, to hear like a sermon on the mount and to, to have our minds blown with just changing the way we think about our goals and our dreams and, and our circumstances. And then just to stop there. It's like looking at your face in the mirror and just going, man, I look terrible. Oh, well, at least I know about it and not doing anything about it. So he moves on. Um, He says this, he says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law. Now, um, uh, I I just want to stop on that word intently. It means to peer over. Um, The other place it's used in the Bible is when the disciples come to see the tomb Okay, and so they show up at the tomb, and it they stoop down and they look inside. It's the same word to look intently. It's 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 to investigate. Okay, to look in to to try to investigate. And and so the idea for us, you know, back in their time, there was no glass. Okay, on the mirror, you didn't have like mirrors like we have them now. It, it would either be polished metal if you were wealthier, or you would take a a, a, a like a bowl filled with water, and in the morning you would look intently you 'd lean over the the thing. Now we have mirrors, and now we have those mirrors that like are that, like when you flip them around it 's just like one pore. <laughs> you know those mirrors? they are frightening I mean those things are frightening they didn 't have that you'd have you 'd have some water and you 'd peer over and you 'd look at it and this, this is what James is saying he says. This is how we approach God's word. This is how we approach what it's like to live a, a life that represents Christ. We look intently at Jesus, and then we look at ourselves and we say, "Where where am I lacking?" Rabbi, how would you be a husband to my wife? Rabbi, how would you? What kind of dad would you be? How would how would you operate in my cubicle at work? Or, or how would you walk down the halls at school? Jesus, how would you do that? I, I want to look at your life intently. I want to see what, 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 what's going on there. And then I look at myself and I say, okay, there's some discrepancy here. But, but not just to see it. To actually do something about it. And so he says, but whoever looks intently. now, And then he uses this, this phrase, perfect law. Now, Um, uh, And so you think, oh, well, if it's James, James wrote, the book of James was written, it's one of the first few books of the Bible written, okay, even though it comes later in the New Testament, um, it was actually one of the first ones written, probably like number three or whatever, Mark, and then, uh, and so, so James isn't talking about like the rest, the rest of the Bible hadn't even been written yet, Paul's epistles hadn't been written. And so he's talking, what's this perfect law he's talking about? What's the fulfillment of the law? What's the perfect law? It's Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. He says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus is the living and breathing word of God. And so... So, so what James is saying, as you look at the life, of, the life of Christ, as you begin to look intently into that, to stoop over and to see what in my life is missing that was in Christ's life and what in my life is extra that was not in Christ's life we go through that. And then he says this, which you would never say matter of fact, if you don't if you don't believe the Bible or, or you you think the Bible is old fashioned, this next phrase is going to sound weird to you because you don't think of the Bible in these terms. But he says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and it, the Bible isn't really known for being a book of freedom. It's known for being, well, here, I, I put this this morning. I just had some extra time. This is what you think of when you think of the Bible. No. Can I have sex with? No. Can I, am I allowed to watch? No. I can't. You can't. Can I pave? No. Can I? No. The answer is no. What, is it something fun? No. That's the answer. Okay. Right. Okay, and so, so when you, a lot of times when you think of the Bible, you just think it's no. It's like, it's like, you, it's like you know, read it, and if, if there's anything fun, you just know the answer is no. Until you begin to apply it, and all of a sudden you realize you're free. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount was about, being free. But remember, we, we've been talking each week when we've been talking about these different things, and we talked about the idea that, that there's, there's the kingdom of God and then there's culture, just the culture around us. And what we've been saying is that culture or the world or whatever we want to call it, isn't not, isn't, it's not necessarily bad. There's lots of great things in our culture uh, that are actually life, life-giving. But as a general... Uh, rule as we begin to just allow ourselves to be um, uh, indoctrinated by that culture we're going to end up with a lot of pain and so and so what um, what James is talking about is as we apply these different things it's exhausting to be part of the world like imagine what Jesus is doing when he says you don't need to lie we think well how am I going to get He's he's saying basically trust trust your heavenly father You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to manipulate things to make it appear this way. You don't have to worry about that. Remember, Jesus was saying in the Sermon on the Mount, when you give, don't don't let anyone see what you're giving. When you fast, don't worry about, when you worry about what other people think, it's exhausting, is it not? To judge people and try and figure out why they're bad and why you're good and all that, it's exhausting. To worry about tomorrow and all this, you can't add a single the cubit to your lifespan, Jesus says, it's exhausting to worry. It's exhausting to be angry. When when you begin to give those things up, you're free. And and it's interesting because you know our culture again would bi- it would bind us up. I I I did this. I, so Chase the the company Chase has this credit card called the Freedom Card right? Like the freedom card. You know what you should do? If you have this card in your wallet, you should just put a little piece of tape over that and just put bondage. Yeah, I use the Chase bondage card. Because you know what Jesus says? Jesus says this. He says that, that, that the borrower is a slave to the lender. Now listen, if I want something at the store, right, it just, it it's like, why should I not get it? I got a credit card. It has room on it. Like, like I could just go and that seems freeing. If I can do whatever I want. But then what do we notice? After a while, bondage. Sexually, oh, I, I can do this. I can do that. I can do that. After a while, bondage. Uh, when, when somebody wrongs us. Okay, And we're angry about that. And, and so we, we want to get even and we don't think it's fair. And we want to make sure that person pays. And it just it feels good to be angry and to kind of get payback. Bondage. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. If someone's sending you to court, just settle matters quickly. Don't, don't just be done with it. Freedom. James is saying the exact same thing. He says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. So now, now James is starting to kind of define what it means to do. That really to do is kind of a lifestyle. Now, when we get into things like this and we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we look at all these different areas that Jesus said to, you know, kind of address in our lives. For a lot of us, it's overwhelming, isn't it? Like you think, man. Like when you look intently at Jesus and then you look at yourself, you're just like, <laughs> it's almost, It's overwhelming. But you know what's interesting about Jesus? He's okay with your journey. He's okay with the process. You know, can you imagine going to a personal trainer, and you show up at the gym, and you know, maybe, you're, maybe you got 40 pounds or whatever, and you haven't run since somebody chased you, and it, like, <laughs> it's like you're, you're, you're totally out of shape, you know, and you show up, and there's the personal trainer, and, and you show up, and he, and he goes, uh, Wow, you are a wreck wow Eh, I don't even know so he he does a workout with you you get your workout done and the next like two days later if you can actually get out of bed you get out of bed and you go to the and he's like you're still just as fat as you were two days ago (laughs) what's wrong with you we had a workout two days ago What, what are you doing that would be silly but sometimes we feel like Jesus does that to us. That we think we go we you know, we, we're on this thing and we, we, we kind of picture Jesus going, Are you kidding me? Like you you accepted me like three weeks ago, you're not all fixed up yet? <laughs> but I, I died on the cross for you. You can't get that's not that's not what Jesus does. And so, so while it seems overwhelming, what he's looking for is that heart. He just wants your heart to be in the right place and to begin to make these steps of holiness, one after another. These little steps to become like your rabbi. So you, we continue in it. We just continue. Go when when I don't work out for a while, and then it's time for me to work out again. Like I, I'm just like, okay, this is ridiculous. I have to go work out, which is Tuesday. I promise. Um, anyway. Uh, um, I, I notice I'll talk myself out of working out as I go through the whole workout in my mind. I don't know if you've ever done that where I'm like, oh, and then I got to run. Oh, and then I got to do three sets of that. And i got to, you know, I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, done. But if I, if my goal is just to walk through the doors of the gym, like that's my only goal. Just get to the gym. Like I could literally walk in, go, see you guys later and walk, and walk out. Just get to the gym. I notice that if I just get to the gym, I'll actually work out. Because I'm, I'm not overwhelmed by all the things I need to do. It's the same way. Pick something to do. Pick something from the, from the good and beautiful life we've talked about. These, all these different areas that God wants you to be free in. And do it. So he says, continue in it. Then he says, not forgetting what, you, what you've heard. So in other words, it is important to listen. And to retain that knowledge, James is saying, he's saying, you know, the the conclusion might be, well, I don't need to listen to anything then. I'll just do it. No, he says, listen, and don't forget about it. But doing it, then he says this, they will be blessed in what they do. You you see that the vision that your heavenly father has for your life and for my life, you know what that vision is? He wants you to be free. It's for freedom that he set us free. That that, that on dying on the cross and allowing us to have a relationship with our heavenly father, uh, allowing that payment of sin to happen, it doesn't just end there. Oh, there's your ticket to heaven. Good job. That there's this process of lifestyle, a kingdom perspective, a filter that we see all of our decisions through. How would Jesus handle these things? It's blessing. Now, if you're a student of the Bible or you've been coming uh, here for the last 11 weeks, that word blessed should spark something in your mind as we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount because that's how it starts off. It starts off with these blessings. And if you listen to the blessings, they don't sound like blessings. <laughs> like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Like, oh, I'd rather be rich and <laughs> then be like poor in spirit. But listen to this. This is the change of mind. That's how Jesus starts off the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. A life with Jesus... Is a life of blessing as it's applied. Just to know about it, just to know the Sermon on the Mount, just to have tons of scriptures memorized, it doesn't work. It has to be put into action. Now, this idea of blessing, now, um, James, kind of, we're going to leave James now and we're going to go to where Jesus wraps up his sermon. So Jesus gets done. He teaches all these kind of hard things, all these things about being free from worry and free from materialism and all this kind of stuff, a life that's just rocking it. And here's how he encapsulates everything. He says this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, the words of the Sermon on the Mount, and puts them into... Okay, like, Practice. Okay, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But whoever hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Here's what I know about your Heavenly Father. He does not want your life to crash. And and for the youth that are here, I'm super excited you're here. Your life is pre-crash. Jesus doesn't want you to crash and then try to rebuild it. you've probably seen enough adults where that's happened, where the rest of their life is spent trying to get the house rebuilt again. But you are pre-crash. And your heavenly father, my heavenly father, has this vision for you that when the streams rise and the winds blow and all this kind of stuff happens, life happens, your life would be built on the rock. That's the vision he has for you but it has to be done. It can't just be believed. And so this is what it looks like when you're at school and there's a whole bunch of people doing something over here and they want you to join them. There's going to come a time for you where you're going to have to make a decision. And it's going to be really, really hard because peer pressure is difficult. And because you can't see yet how their life turns out, you're going to just have to trust your rabbi, Jesus, and go, you know what? I'm going to make the wise decision here. and I'm not going to participate in that. It's hard. It's hard for adults. You know what this looks like for adults? Uh, they go to work, and, and they, they have uh, this thing called a mortgage or rent. Um, and they have this thing called an Xbox that they have to pay for and all this kind of stuff. Um, They go, and and all of a sudden, the boss is kind of weird and all this stuff, and then they feel completely trapped, and so they feel like they need to lie or they need to cheat or they need to watch out for their own back because no one's going to watch out for them. And your Heavenly Father and their Heavenly Father would say, you don't need to do that. You can be free from that. And they're going to have to make a really hard decision. Maybe tell the truth or maybe, uh, maybe it comes tax time and they could use that money for something else and it comes time for tax time and they could put a little figure in a box. And they're at a crossroads. They say, am I going to trust myself or am I going to trust my Heavenly Father? And all the while our Heavenly Father is going, don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be free? So he says, it fell with a great crash. Now, now um, when he finishes the sermon, uh, when he finishes saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, right? Right, because it's, it's totally different. Because he as one, uh, taught as one who had authority. Here's what the entire Sermon on the Mount comes down to. Allowing God to be God in everything. That that... Jesus, who had authority to preach that sermon, has authority now to rule and to reign in your life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do something a little different this morning. Um, uh, We've done this before, um, but we're going to take some time, and we've had 11 weeks of going through different uh, things in the Word of, of, of how does this affect my life, both, you know, like we said, with lying and lust and our finances and all this kind of stuff. We're going to take five minutes of just silence. Now, for some of you, that's going to be super hard. Um, If you're wired like I am with a a little bit of ADD, a little bit of, you know, uh, I got some of that sprinkled all through, you know, it's like five minutes of silence is like, okay, why why don't just send me to prison? You know, it's like, um, but I'd, I'd fight through that. For others, you're like, five minutes, I could go five hours, you know. Um, but, but we're going to do five minutes. And here's what, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to go before your rabbi, the one who has authority, your teacher, Jesus, and say, Lord, I know a lot of stuff. Is there something you want me to do? Or is there something you want me to not do? And just allow your heavenly father to point out As you look intently into the perfect law of Jesus' life, allow your Heavenly Father to say, that right there is causing you to be stuck. That right there is your bondage. And I want you to be free. And then I'm going to ask us to do something scary after that. Um, I won't tell you what it is. You'll be thinking about it all five minutes. Like I wonder wonder if he's going to make me give him his wallet or whatever. But um, no. Uh, But just take this time, this time of silence. Go before the Lord. Say, Lord, what what would you have me do? And uh, then I'll come back up and uh, lead us in another little exercise. Lord God, I just pray for this time um, that we would have um, in the silence, we would hear your still small voice, and that we would have the courage to address some of the things that need to be addressed. Maybe in how we trust you. Maybe it's a lack of forgiveness. Or maybe it's an area of our life that's where we're fake. Or maybe there's a fantasy that we're feeding that we need to uh, let die. Um, Or maybe we're serving wealth instead of you. Or whatever it is. We want to have hearts that are open, eyes to see and ears to hear. For some of us, um, maybe it was something small, you know, just something, just a little tweak in, uh, in our lives that gets us back on track a little bit. Um, for some of us, it, what the Lord had spoken to you was pretty big, you know, it was pretty big, uh, and maybe there's a party that's a little scared. Uh, to move forward in that maybe there's something that you didn't think you could live without that he's asking you to live without um maybe there's something that um uh, area of your life that's maybe never changed that he wants you to change for some of you um during that exercise you realize maybe it's time to start a relationship with Jesus in the first place maybe it's time to to begin this journey um Maybe it's time to just kind of start that whole idea of repentance from the traditional sense of just saying, Lord, I'm I'm sorry for my life. When I look at my life, it's post-crash. <laughs> I've been building it on sand. I want a do-over. And so maybe for you, this morning is the morning you start out a journey with Jesus. Here's what I'd like us to do. For, again, for some of you, that you, this might make you uncomfortable, but... If there's an area in your life that God spoke to you about, um, uh, and there was in my life as well, um, I'm going to ask you to uh, raise your hand. You don't have to do it right now, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and to keep it up. Um, now, now the reason we do this exercise is it's an act of humility, and it's an act of um, placing ourselves under the authority of Jesus to say, yes, This I, I identify what you're saying, and I understand, and... Uh, and then that same God that we come under authority um, helps us along. And so, um, and maybe for you, maybe your one thing is, I'm, I'm ready to start a relationship with Jesus. And so maybe that's what your hand is raised for. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do that bold thing. If God uh, d- um, spoke to you in an area, and just keep your hand raised. And if you're just starting off with a relationship with God for the first time, you raise your hand too. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for us. And then as you have the, your connection card, as Adua uh, comes back up, she's gonna um, lead us in a song. And um, may, maybe one of your maybe you want prayer for whatever your thing is. Maybe you don't even want to tell us what the thing is. You just want to say I need prayer for my one thing or whatever. Um, and that's all you put down there. We we'd love to journey with you uh, on that. And um, and so maybe you take some time just to fill that out. But I would like to pray for us. Um, so if, if, if that's you, if you have a place that God has uh, pointed out in your life that you want to change, would you raise your hand with mine and let me pray for you? Awesome. Great. Thanks for your courage. really appreciate that. Lord Jesus, we raise our hands um, as just a sign of release of our lives into your hands. Lord, for those who are maybe raising their hand for the first time to start a relationship with you, Lord, as, as you forgive our sins and you um, cleanse us, as we talked about, by the blood um, uh, of your death and burial and resurrection, Lord God. Uh, we accept that and we relinquish control of our lives. Lord, for some of us, this is going to be a big deal. And uh, so, Lord, but we know you want us to be free. And so we raise our hands as an act of freedom uh, uh, just to begin with, to say, God, use me. God, let show me, teach me. Let me be a disciple, one that follows you, one that uh, when I look intently into your life, uh, my life begins to change. So, God, I just pray for courage for these people who have their hands raised, for me as well, um, that we would take these next steps And we would become more like you. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen.